Shalom. This is Reverend John Ferret, and welcome to the continuing series on the Fall Feast of the Lord. We're on episode 7 right now, and we're on the, the Feast of Tabernacles, or in Hebrew, the Feast of Sukkot. Just wanted to let you know I'm using the royalty-free version of Hava Nagila that I uh, downloaded from Pond5 and I bought the license for that but I, I wanted to use Hava Nagila because it means let us rejoice and we're going to see how this Feast of Tabernacles is the time of Israel's rejoicing and really the time of our rejoicing as well so we're on the first of three lessons on the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Sukkot. Tabernacles is a word that comes from the Latin and all it means is tent. Did God dwell in a tabernacle? Yeah, we have think of some sort of a you know a, a really special castle or temple of something. No, it's a tent. God had a tent. So we're dealing with the appointed time of Yahweh of Sukkot. That's the Hebrew that's translated into the English as booths or tabernacles, but a sukkah, plural, Sukkot, is a shack, a lean-to, a temporary shelter, or a tent. So once again, we're taking a look at these fall feasts of the Lord to realize, number one, these are not the Jewish feasts. Nowhere in the Bible does God say these are the feasts of the Hebrews or these are the feasts of the Jewish people. It doesn't say that. It says these are the appointed times of the Lord, of Yahweh. And why doesn't the church honor God's appointed times? Most of the celebrations that we have in the church, whether it be Christmas, or Ascension Thursday, or what have you, are made up in the church, and they're not biblical. But here we have eight biblical appointed times, and the church really only does Pentecost or Shavuot. And then, you guys, we don't fully grasp the awesome, aw the awesomeness of this appointed time of Shavuot. Robin and I love to celebrate Shavuot and we put up our own sukkah in our backyard and if you go to the website www.lightamenorah.org and you find this session and that is going to be the first session of Sukkot in the series the fall feasts of the Lord the fall feast of Adonai and if you were looking in the session description in there I've included a picture of our sukkah, both a day picture and a night picture. However, again, we're doing it because we see Jesus in this appointed time. These are God's appointed times. And you're going to see that as we continue on through these sessions on Shavuot. And perhaps you too may join us putting up your own sukkah to celebrate Jesus as Lord. And so in this series, we want to see Jesus and the call the church to repent. Not of its sin. <laughs> repent, teshuva, in Hebrew means to turn back. 
church to turn back and maybe consider to doing a church service on the God's appointed times, according to the lunar calendar. I call it the biblical calendar. To worship and praise Jesus our Lord. Jesus the Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Now again, one of the major goals that I have is I'm always looking to see how the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, testify of Jesus. Jesus talked about that in John 5.39. And that's a major goal of these podcasts. How do we see Jesus in these feasts, how do they testify of him? We take a look at the very words of God in John 5.39. Jesus says that all scripture testifies of him. Now he says that in 24 to 30 AD, and at that time, if you were a religious Jew, like a Pharisee, like a Sadducee, like the chief priests, like many of the disciples that were many deeply religious Jewish people of various opinions and views <clears throat> but what they heard Jesus Jesus is telling to take a look at the Old Testament take a look at the Bible that the only Bible that they had and to see that the Hebrew scriptures testify of him especially when we get into the Torah which is there the five major books another Bible verse I want to take a look at again as belongs to Paul this is in Colossians 2 16 through 17 and he says, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. Obviously, Paul means that these are a shadow of Jesus. They are a mere shadow of what is to come. Who is coming? Jesus. And he says, but the substance belongs to Christ. The substance belongs to the Messiah. He is the one who makes up the shadow. He is the shadow on all of the feasts. He is the, the shadow on Rosh Hashanah, which is Yom Teruah. He is, on the, he is the shadow of Yom Kippurim, the Day of Atonements. And we want to see how he is, the sh how he is also the shadow on the appointed time of Sukkot. But beyond that, how did the disciples look upon the Feast of Sukkot, especially after Jesus ascends to the Father? And after that ascension, a year, maybe two or three, how did they celebrate the appointed times of God and how did they see Jesus in the feasts? So again, where is Yeshua? Where is he in the feast of Sukkot, the festival of Sukkot, Chag Sukkot? Let's go take a look. We're in Leviticus 23 again, and I want to read all the verses that relate to this appointed time that is entitled the Feast of Booths in the New American Standard. So, reading Leviticus 23, 33 through 44. Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth of the seventh month, so we're five days after Yom Kippurim, because Yom Kippurim is on the tenth of the seventh month, the tenth of Tishri, so we're in the fifteenth of the seventh month, is the Feast of Booths. I might say Feast of Tabernacles, 
in Hebrew, Sukkot. The Feast of Booths for seven days to the Lord. On the first day is a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work of any kind. For seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly. You shall do no laborious work. These are the appointed times of Yahweh. Again, we have the word Lord in the New American Standard and probably in your Bible as well. Lord is probably all capitalized like in mine or it could be capitalized just with a capital L. And when we go to the original Hebrew, we had the tetragrammaton underneath this word in Hebrew. And I pronounce God's name Yahweh. There's others people that have different ways of pronouncing it and there is still discussion as to who's right and who's wrong. Well, that discussion, I think, is going to go on until Jesus finally returns and we ask him, what was, how do you pronounce your name? So these are the appointed times of Yahweh, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, to present offerings by fire to the Lord, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings, each day's matter on its own day. Besides those of the Sabbaths of the Lord, and besides your gifts, and besides all your votive and free will offerings, which you give to the Lord, on exactly the fifteenth day of the seventh month. So on exactly the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the Feast of Yahweh for seven days. Notice, it's the Feast of Yahweh over and over and over again. It's not the Feast of the Jewish people. <clears throat> With a rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. Now on the first day, you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Notice that. There it is, the rejoice. Hava Nagila. Okay? We are, we are going to rejoice. That's why I picked that song as, in other words, the uh, music to intro this podcast. You shall thus celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a perpetual statute. It's, this is going to happen forever, throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall live in booths, or Sukkot, for seven days, which means tents. All the native born in Israel shall live in booths, so that your generations may know that I, I had the sons of Israel live in booths, they actually lived in tents, when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. I am Yahweh, your God. So this moed, if you remember, that's the Hebrew word for appointed time. It really has kind of a double purpose to me when I take a look at those verses. First, it seems to be a celebration of time of joy after the fall harvest. Hava Nagila. Let us rejoice. I'm going to thank God for his provision and his gifts of grapes and figs and pomegranates. Second, it's a time to remember how they lived in Sukkot or booths when he took them out of Egypt. They did not dwell in huts or quickly constructed boots. They lived in tents. By the way, that the Hebrews lived in tents is clear from the Torah. I'm going to take a look at these verses. Many people would say, yes, the rabbis say there's a certain way you construct a sukkah and you'll be able to, I mean, when the Feast of Sukkot comes up, and you wanted to Google Jewish Sukkot or Jewish Sukkah, you're going to probably see something made out of wood. 
you're going to see something with branches on top of it as a roof and so on. And when we take a look at the Bible, the Hebrews lived in tents. And the Hebrew word sukkah can mean a tent. It can mean a, a booth like the rabbis use today. But we now have clearly in the Torah, Deuteronomy one twenty seven, And you grumbled in your tents, the Hebrew, Ochelim, and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. So there, Deuteronomy one twenty seven, they were in their tents. They were in their Ochelim, or another would-be Sukkot. And then in Deuteronomy 16:7, you shall cook and eat in the place which the Lord your God chooses. In the morning you are to return to your, not Sukkot, but your tents, Ochelim, in Deuteronomy 16:7. There's a clear difference, you guys, between the Hebrew word for booths, Sukkot, and the Hebrew word for tents, Ochelim. So the, the use of the word today, Sukkot, and what sukkahs look like today is not what a sukkah meant in biblical times. Again, that's a rabbinic view today that it's going to be that booth. Now what's interesting is this. God instructs his people that they're going to have a time of rejoicing and to remember that they dwelt in tents. But God dwelt in his sukkah, his tent. We translate as tabernacle. Tabernacle means a temporary shelter or dwelling place. That's why this feast is called the Feast of Tabernacles. And so it's interesting because it's a time of God with us. The Hebrew words that are that mean God with us is Immanuel. So the Hebrews lived in their tents. And God lived in his tent. They walked with God. They traveled with God. They lived with God 24-7. God provided their food, their water. He protected his new pride, his new bride, Israel. He was at the center of their camp. He was at the center of their lives. This Moed, this appointed time of God, is to remember these awesome days when God brought his people out of Egypt and to dwell with them. The Feast of Sukkot is the time of Israel's rejoicing. Zeman Simchatenu, the season of our rejoicing. And again, that's why I picked the song Havan Nekila for these three sessions on the appointed time of Sukkot. Now, with regards to this appointed time, let's just take a look at a little bit of history. Prior to 586 B.C., the Feast of Sukkot is considered to be the most important of all the feasts. It was a time of a great party in Jerusalem. Time to rejoice and celebrate the harvest time, rejoice before God. Now, in Solomon's day, it was so important that it was simply called the festival or the feast. You can see this in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 2, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 65, 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 32, 2 Chronicles 5, verse 3, 
and 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 8. Now, one thing we need to realize, though, it was not all of Israel that was doing the Feast of Sukkot prior to 586 B.C. When we go to Judges chapters 2, starting in verse 10, let me read this, because I believe these are the saddest six verses in the Bible. Judges 2, verses 10 through 15. And this is important, as we'll be returning to this in the next lesson, lesson 2 and lesson 3. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know Yahweh. This is the third generation out of Egypt, therefore, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of Yahweh and served the Baals, and they forsook Yahweh, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them. That's the Canaanites. So they assimilated into the pagan culture of the Canaanites all around them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had spoken and as the Lord had sworn to them so that they were severely distressed. The Hebrews had assimilated into the pagan rituals, and the pagans had a fall harvest in the seventh month. They called it their new year. And so could it be that because the Hebrews were so embedded in that pagan culture, probably most of them, we're going to take a look at this in a little bit, to show that the greater majority of the Hebrews were involved in the pagan culture of their area for almost 900 years. And so as they assimilated in there, they perhaps started borrowing some of the concepts from Baal, the concepts from the Canaanites that the new year is in the fall. When God said, my new year is going to be in the month of Nisan, right before Passover. So the pagan Canaanites had a, Canaanites had a festival of the harvest, like Sukkot. There was drinking, revelry, immorality, a great party. In Judges chapter 9, verse 27, let's look at this. They went out into the field and gathered the grapes of their vineyards and trod them and held a festival. This is the time of Sukkot. It's the time of the great harvest. And they went into the house of their God and ate and drank and cursed Abimelech. Sukkot went beyond the boundaries of what God had established. If there was one place where, they, where the uh, Hebrews seemed to be true to Adonai, it seemed to be Jerusalem. We consider King David, we consider Solomon, Hezekiah, and the great king, young King Josiah. It seems clear that not the entire nation would have turned against Yahweh. There must be a remnant. Jerusalem must have been that place. The Feast of Sukkot, we read about the dedication of the house of the Lord that Solomon built. So definitely, 
definitely not all the Hebrews had turned from God. There was a remnant. We go to 1 Kings, we read, Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' households of the sons of Israel, to King Solomon in Jerusalem, to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is Zion. All the men of Israel assembled themselves to King Solomon at the feast. This has to be Sukkot, because it's the seventh month. Okay, in the month of Ephanim. That's just another name for the seventh month of Tishri. Tishri is the Babylonian name. So after the Babylonian exile, the Hebrews come back to Israel and started using the Babylonian Aramaic names for the lunar months. So they started using Tishri rather than Ethanim, which is the seventh month. Then all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. They brought up the ark of the Lord and the tent of meeting and all the holy utensils which were in the tent, and the priests and the Levites brought them up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled to him were with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen they could not be counted or numbered. Then the priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the house, to the most holy place, under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim made a covering over the ark and its poles from above. But the poles were so long that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen outside. They are there to this day. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets of stone which Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the sons of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. It happened that when the priests came from the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in the thick cloud. I have surely built you a lofty house, a place for your dwelling forever. A time to remember God with us. A time to remember Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. God was with Adam and Eve in the garden. Emmanuel, God with us. God said, I want to dwell with my people. He said it to his own words. He told Moshe that. Moses, in Exodus 25, verse 8. In Exodus 29, verse 45 and 46, I want to dwell. Emmanuel. God came upon the tabernacle. He came upon his tent that he gave instructions to Moses to build. That's in Exodus 40, verse 34. And the Shekinah glory of God filled the temple. Emmanuel, we just read it. The feast of Sukkot. Solomon dedicated the house of Adonai. And then we remember this. Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, 
and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. The instructions to Joseph is to name his son a nickname, Emmanuel. Does the Bible say that Jesus is God? Ladies and gentlemen, it just did. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Jesus is Adonai. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. I'll see you in Lesson 2. Shalom.